Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sin. Hi, Zyastorm. Hello. Hi, everyone. And welcome to the Snack Covenant, episode 265. This is actually part two of a very special two-part podcast we're doing on Elden Ring. And the first part can be found on Zyastorm's YouTube channel. That's right. Today we're talking about Queen Marika with our good friend Zyastorm. Now Zyastorm, as you may know, most people watch our channel for our 5-hour reborn analysis. For the benefit of those people, could you please tell them who you are and what you do? Okay, I'm Zyostorm. I do mostly Souls content on my channel. Do a lot of news and leaks and speculation, but we've really been diving into Elden Ring primarily. So if you're interested in all things Elden Ring, I got you covered. Thank you, Zyostorm. And your videos are really good, they're informative, they're to the point. Yeah, I try to get it as quick as possible, so... Awesome, thank you. Zyostorm, before we start, do you watch anime? I do. Probably too much, actually. <laughs> okay, okay, wait. Have you ever heard of an anime called Katekyo Hitman Reborn? I uh, can't say I have, not that one, no. It's very good, you should check it out. <laughs> Hi, Sophie here. In what's quickly and also rather depressingly becoming a tradition, Sin decided to ask our guest if he was familiar with the anime Katekyo Hitman Reborn. Sin does this because she knows, regardless of the answer, that I have to record a note about it. This behaviour is making me increasingly irate. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the last 28 fucking times I had to recap the series, what if babies were hitmen? There's a link in the description where you can hear us discuss Season 1 of 9. Back to the podcast. Queen Marika. We've recorded in our time, right? A lot of um, episodes about things where there's very little to discuss. I think it's fair to say. Famously, we got about fifteen minutes out of a out of a flaming boulder in Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. This is even less than that. This is literally the name Queen Marika, and all we know about her is she is the goddess who is the mother of the demigods, and that is all. Mm-hmm. Well, we know she's Queen Marika the Eternal. That's true. Yeah. So, does it mean she's a literal goddess? Or, she's like a queen? Well, if they're demigods, then she'd be a goddess, surely. Or the uh, the other one could be a god. Mm. Yeah. Demigods are only half, right? Mm. You know how in the Japanese creation myth, there's Amaterasu? goddess of the sun yeah when i heard queen marika the eternal i thought of that reference so i'm a little unfamiliar with that one can you fill me in no (laughs) (laughs) hi sophie here sin didn't explain who amaterasu was because she thinks i should do it for her 
Sin says that this is because she's very, very shy and only capable of talking off the cuff at length about one subject. That subject being an anime that I will not name. Amaterasu is the Japanese sun goddess, who once sealed herself away in a cave, depriving the world of the sun. She was eventually lured out, not with words or offerings, but with a striptease. Does this mean that the final boss of Elden Ring will in fact be an interactive stripping minigame, not dissimilar to that featured in the Xbox classic Dead to Rights? Or maybe a guy with a sword and three health bars, I mean, who can say? Back to the podcast. So, recently I made a video covering the kind of obvious Celtic mythos that we can see in Elden Ring. And one of the main points I brought up in that was how almost verbatim the lands between is to Tirnanog or the uh, land of youth in Celtic mythology. And so, when just one thing, one small aspect about the queen that came to mind is one of the main aspects about Tirnanog is that people there were immortal and they didn't age. And so when I heard that eternal part, that's kind of like the connection I drew there. That's a very good connection. Something else to further cement that is we can see a rot spreading throughout the land. And so in one of the myths that I brought up in that video, I thought that maybe the rot could be the age catching up with them after the shattering. You know what you're making me think of now? What's that? You know how in Norse mythology, there's the story about this chick who had the apples that made the gods young or whatever? Yes, I've heard that one. Yeah, and at some point, I think Loki tricked her to be kidnapped by the giants. And so the gods had no apples and they got all wrinkly. But then I think she came back and everything was good again. So I don't know. You just made me remember that story. It's funny that you mentioned that in um, in one of the legends about Tirnanog, there's also a story about a great tree there that grew golden apples. And I can't exactly remember what the apples did, but I know it was very reminiscent of the Erd tree as well, and the whole gold theme really uh, plays into that quite well. Mm. So is that a storm? Let me ask you, do you have any more notes you made on Queen Marika that you'd like to share with us? A few things that I thought of. When we uh, when we talk about Queen Marika, it never actually mentions that she's malevolent in what she's doing. And the fact that the demigods are squabbling throughout the land suggests that there's a lack of leadership. And so I almost wonder, maybe she's going to be on our side in the game? Because it never specifically mentions who shattered it, why they shattered it, But all we know is that her children ended up with the shards. That leaves a lot of opening for theories out of that. Yeah, yeah. It's also possible she's just not even in the game. That's true. Like, she could just be- she could just be something from the background. Because the other thing about Elden Ring is, like, they have openly said, like, Bamco have openly said, that they want to keep Elden Ring going, like, for a very long time. They want it to be this ongoing franchise. And they've talked about, like, sequels and prequels and things that aren't even going to be games that they want to do. They want to do, like, books and stuff. So, like, I don't think we're going to get much closure. You know, it's not going to be like Dark Souls, where, like, the end of Dark Souls was sort of like the story ends now. 
And um, the sequels were kind of awkward in that regard. Whereas with Elden Ring, like, I'm fairly sure there's just going to deliberately leave huge chunks of it, like, not explored to use in the future. So it's going to be like Star Wars, where they have, like, books and cartoons. Yeah, well, I think, like, Queen Queen Marika's, like... What what I mean is, like, she might just be something like the first flame or something that's, like, something that's binding everything together, but we never, like... We don't necessarily come into contact with. Yeah, I like that idea. I think it's really interesting that they do only mention her in name only. Mm. Because, like, typically when we think of characters are from software games, we actually meet a lot of the ones that they mention before the game comes out. And the more obscure stuff we learn about through, like, item descriptions and that kind of stuff. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, if you think about, like, Guinevere or something... That's exactly who I was picturing. Yeah, because yeah, like Gu- Guinevere is like you learn about Guinevere and you kind of meet her, but it's not really her. What if you meet Queen Marika and she turns out to be an illusion too? Probably. So many trust issues. <laughs> One thing I was thinking about too, if we look at like Martin's other works, we know that there's constant drama going on between the characters and nobody's motives are ever like blatantly clear. So I'm really interested to see how, with them leaving so much information out, that it leaves a lot of that room for ulterior motives and unclear objectives and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, something that's that's noticeable in the trailer is, like, we know the demigods are at war with each other. And you can kind of see that in the trailer. You can see that, like, the Arm King is apparently hunting the dragons or something like that. You can see that, like... The forces from that castle seem to have, like, a military encampment at the base of the volcano. So you can see there's, like, this ongoing sort of war. It's different to them all having, like, a segregated, like, area per god. Like, it looks like there's actually, they're deliberately crossing over with each other. Ties in with that squabbling. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Zyostorm. Now, let's move on to another topic. The demigods. What is a demigod? Half god, half something else, I guess. Doesn't have to be human, does it? Well, this is an interesting point because um, I've been looking at the trailer a lot lately in the screenshots and I get the impression that like each of these demigods seems to be associated with a different animal. We don't really know if any of the people we see in the trailer actually are the demigods. We know that each demigod has, like, a realm, but we don't really know who we're seeing. And, um, of the characters that we see, one sort of, like, I don't know what you call them, if they're, like, a race or a a clan or something, appear to be wolf people. The beast people from Demon Souls? Well, this is the thing. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, is this going to be they're just beast people, or is it going to be, like, a Bloodborne thing where... These are people who've devolved into beasts because of the shattering of the Elden Ring. Because you can see, like, the other gods, like, there's the guy who appears to have transplanted his head into a snake. There's, um, a guy who's making a new body for himself out of arms. (laughs) So it's like, okay, well, did they just turn into beasts? But if you look at where you're fighting the dude who kind of looks like like Ludwig, the guy with the the red moonlight sword... (laughs) That fight takes place in a room where there is wolf imagery everywhere. Like, the background shows it's an image of a woman with three wolves. The woman might actually be Queen Marika, for all we know. 
And um, the pillars around the room, they have wolf skeletons in them. So it, it looks very much like these people were always wolves, I guess. So this demigod could just have been a wolf. That's cool. Yeah, so... Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. So there's that dude who's like put his head on a snake. Even before he puts his head on a snake, you can see a painting of him. And he's got snakes around his arm. So like he probably always had a snake thing going on. And then like the the castle where Arm King is, there's a lot there's like lion imagery. Like the heraldry is a lion. The big red guy from the 2019 trailer, there's concept art of him where he looks like he's he's patterned after a boar, like he has these big tusks. And then there's imagery of it's not really a bird but there's like one of them seems to have a wing motif to its armor the guard in front of that painting yeah yeah so um it it looks almost like we know there's six so if you break it down you have like a boar a snake a wolf a bird and a lion a lion and then okay well i guess there's one more we didn't see so it, it, it could be that like each of the demigods is associated with a certain animal the only problem I have with that idea is that four of those take place in the same castle. Right. So if they're squabbling over territory, I'm not sure why they would be in the same area. Yeah. Arm King's castle seems to be like the focal point of most of the trailer. So I guess another thing to point out about Arm King is like, we're told that the gods all have, is it golden eyes? The ones blessed by the grace have golden eyes, yes interesting thing about arm king is like arm king does not seem to have any kind of gold aura about him and there is a screenshot they released of what is arm king's castle and there's a huge painting of just this like big like kind of viking war god looking dude with a dragon and i wonder if like that's actually the demigod of that realm it's that that sort of he looks he looks like a like a buffer, hairy, and nameless king from Dark Souls, and I'm wondering if, like, is that ac- is is that area his? And Arm King is like the regent or the descendant or something. Something I was thinking about. I did a live stream a while back, kind of like zooming in all on, on all the images that we got from the website. And to me personally, it looks a lot like that big red-haired uh, boar guy in the 2019 trailer. Because the fa- like the facial structure, just when we zoomed in a lot, it kind of matched up, but it's too difficult to tell. And the thing he's carrying on his back, it looks like a like some kind of dead creature, almost like a white lion. And in the armor in the 2019 trailer, you can see like tufts of white fur in the uh, that dude's armor, and the tusks are also very similar. So I almost wonder if it's him. Interesting point. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Zystorm. This is just something I'm thinking about real quick. Did we ever get a confirmation that it was actually six children? Yeah, I think it's been confirmed that there are six areas. But that's a good point. We don't know how many children there are. Right. I'm, I'm sure they did. I just can't remember it off the top of my head right now. I'm going back to the uh, website to see. It's also possible that like some of the areas don't play out like in part of the gameplay structure. Like in the same way that um, at least like before three, like Dark Souls opens with like there's four of these lords and you meet three of them. 
And the fourth, like, it's not structured around there being four, it's structured around there being three, and the fourth one is, like, actually something different. So we could have, like, optional area and optional children to fight. Well, it could also be that, like, there's six of these legacy areas, but one of them is ruined and you don't go there. Hi, Sophie here. Legacy is the name that Elden Ring gives to its six major dungeon areas. They're presumably called legacies because they represent the legacy of the various demigods and Queen Marika. We don't know much about them, but we've been informed that they include both castles and fortresses. I personally have my fingers crossed for a stronghold, but only time will tell. Back to the podcast. So we know that they said a lot of the bosses are going to be optional, like you can skip them. So I almost wonder if that's going to lead into like different endings kind of, because we know that most likely the main ending is going to be getting all the shards and reforming the ring and that kind of thing. So I wonder if we can actually like side with some of the demigods to get different endings. That would be super cool. And Sophie, you had something else to share with us. Yeah, so like we were talking just then about um like who isn't is like the the way that like Arm King and everything is like is is this the god, is this not the god? That's actually a really common Miyazaki trope. Because if you look at like the original Dark Souls with Anolondo, you never actually really meet the gods of Anolondo. Because they're not there anymore. So you have like Anolondo in Dark Souls 1, it's just Gwyndolin running everything behind the scenes. Like, Guinevere's an illusion and Gwyn is dead. So, even though that's, like, quote-unquote, like, Gwyn's place, Gwyn's not there. And then in Dark Souls 3, when you go back there, it's the same deal, where, like, Pontiff Sullivan and Aldrich are, like, in control of this place, but they're sort of, like Gwyndolin, they're sort of using the authority of Gwyn. So Gwendolyn is, like, ruling Anolondo with, like, the authority that comes from being descended from Gwyn. Even though Gwendolyn is mostly hidden. And then, like, in 3, it's like, Sullivan and Aldrich are... This is sort of lost in translation a bit, but, like, they're sort of continuing to, quote-unquote, speak for, like, the gods of Anolondo. Like, Sullivan becomes the pontiff because he's like, oh yeah, like, I am I am now the voice of the gods, they're behind me, you just can't go and see them. So the idea of, like, Arm King sort of adopting the, symbolically, the powers of whoever initially, like, this, this lion character, because if that's a lion on his back, completely makes sense of the fact that there's lion imagery all over the castle. So... And also the way that, like, we, we sort of assume, I think, that, that that voiceover that's like, oh, a lowly tarnished playing as a lord, that's probably Arm King talking. And the way he is being completely dismissive of you, that's sort of like, it possibly comes from a place where he is also someone playing as a lord. Whenever I first thought about the theory that he may not be the lord, Maybe he's, as a guardian, holds his lord in such high regard that anyone else playing as a lord is that much more of an insult. See, like, I think that, but I also think, like, if you look at what Arm King is doing, he has attached all of these arms to himself. 
Which to me makes me think he's trying to become more powerful. Rather than like, he's not like, um, like Sif or something. Where it's like, I'm going to guard the, my, my, or Gale. Where it's like, I'm going to guard this thing. He comes across like he's just this sort of debauched character who's gone mad with power a bit. That makes sense. Because one thing they've mentioned is like that the demigods have like, I forget the exact wording, but it's something like they've become parodies of who they used to be because they're thirsting for power constantly. And like, I think um, if we go off like paintings, if we assume like the painting of the, the snake man, if he is the lord of that area, if he's one of the demigods, and that's why there's the painting of him. Then, like, him becoming a snake is fairly, like, him going mad with power. And, like, the, the wolf person, you're fighting them in this, like, it's a ruined castle. Like, parts of it have broken off. Which makes it seem like they just let the kingdom go. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not trying to, like, maintain the... The sort of trappings of a lord, they're not they're not in this like nice throne room with like their retainers and like paintings and banners, they're just in like a ruined castle. So do you think the the ruins of all the castles and everything is a result of the shattering? Or is that a result of the squabbling? Well I think it well did don't they call the war the shattering? Like they're kind of the same thing. Uh, on the website, it says here, Marika's offspring, demigods all, claimed the shards of the Elden Ring, known as the Great Runes, and the mad taint of their newfound strength triggered a war. The Shattering. So it could actually be that they were given the shards, and then the war happens after that, and the war is what makes like the actual... Because they talk about the Elden Ring as like a metaphysical concept. It's not like a physical ring. It's like the Elden Ring is like the the harmony that was binding the world together. So it could be that like they were all given a piece of it and the pieces of it held everything sort of in harmony because it's divided equally among the six. And then when this war happens, that throws everything out of balance. I just had a vision. Go on. The Elden Ring is a golden pizza. <laughs> Sophie, do the outro. That was The Snack Covenant, episode 265, Elden Ring with Zyostorm, part 2. Where's part 1? You'll have to go to Zyostorm's channel. Zyostorm, where can people find your channel? You can find my channel at youtube.com slash Zyostorm. Hype! Well, thank you so much for coming, Zyostorm. This was super fun. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Well, thank you. I apologize for Sophie's behavior earlier with all the jokes. <laughs> I felt a little left out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Okay. So, thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Thank you, Zystorm. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Say bye, Zystorm. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>